Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman Hughes. <clears throat> Alright, picking up the Batphone this week, a highly requested, a highly talented, a uh, highly regarded, uh, he's, a, he's a really good uh, practitioner. Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to start off by putting <laughs> you a, it's Anthony Pugliese. How's it going this morning? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you here, man. Like, uh, I've been wanting to have you on for quite a while, if not for the only the reason that I'm I'm a big fan. Like, I'm a big fan of MMA and I'm a big fan of martial arts in this state. And I've talked about it before on the podcast. You know, I, I sort of care a little less about if Conor McGregor wins, but I care if Anthony Pugliese wins, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like an affinity to the people who are coming up from this state and you're one of those people that I've been a fan of from day one. I'm a fan of the club that you come from. I'm a fan of the coaches that are around you and I'm a fan of what you've been able to achieve in the arena of martial arts, whether it's mixed martial arts or grappling. So very, very happy to have you on here today. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. So how have you been this morning so far? It's good. Went out for my coffee and... Yeah. <laughs> Apparently not yeah. a morning person. Yeah, no, not at all, man. Not at all, man. It's all right. Coffee keeps me going. So yeah, coffee keeps good. everyone going. I, mean, I talked to Tony Caruso for like an hour and a half just about coffee. Yes. Yeah. He loves his coffee. And we were walking around Jakarta when he fought on 1FC and just... He's on his phone. I'm like, what are you on your phone doing? He's trying to find every coffee place. Really? And he found like this old rustic coffee place in the middle of like some weird place in Indonesia and I don't know it was amazing I don't yeah. know how he did it like, and it was actually like a difference you could really tell it was brilliant yeah it was That's brilliant awesome. they had their own thing going on they had their own vibe and, and he's the one who sourced it out actually because that, that's in Indonesia yeah and they got that um, that that Prue coffee? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, did you have that? Yeah. Yeah. We, okay. we tried every type of coffee that they had for us, okay. but like there was one specifically the, their cold, cold brew coffee that they had. Okay. It was like drip on cold brew. That was the best one. Easy. Yeah. But so anyway. I had to learn this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you look into it, man. <laughs> uh, well, should we start off by talking about coffee? <laughs> nah, it's good stuff, man. Well, uh, you know you know how it is with these podcasts, man. I, I want to talk about you. I yeah. want people to hear about you and, and your experience and your journey. And I always like to give my perspective as well. I think that, you know, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm a big fan of Rikers. I think that you have likely had a slightly different uh, induction into martial arts than a lot of you know other people who are coming into it now from yeah. bigger clubs. You've had not the luxury but the you know the the real benefit of having a smaller group, intensified coaching, yeah. and they've really tailored your fighting style and your competitive style around you and what you can achieve. You have a surging style in mixed martial arts. You have a fantastic attacking grappling style as well. Like your style in grappling is my favorite style of grappling. Like it's like JT Torres and Gilbert Burns, where it's like you're attacking with takedowns, smart wrestling to broken transitions and attacking the neck, like yeah. attacking the back to choke and attacking the neck to guillotine. And you have this famous guillotine that everyone keeps talking about. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't but, know how I developed that either. I think it's just like, it looks like a system, you know? Yeah. And I think anytime there's a system, it's because it's trial and error. You've figured it out. You've gone for this maneuver so many times. Yeah. You have your arm in guillotine. You have your grip switch to palm press if they're rolling yeah. out like you. And that comes from people trying to defend. Yeah. So you've figured out how to follow on their defenses. And the more I get on the, the guys that I train with, the better their defense gets. Exactly. And the more I adapt. And yeah. Yeah, even as like my first ever jiu-jitsu session. My first ever submission was a guillotine. I didn't even know what I was doing. And yeah. And I don't know, man. Even as a white belt, that was always my thing. Yeah. Guillotines. Guillotines are great, man. I remember when uh, you always had to do an arm in guillotine all the way through up until like purple or brown yeah but then they started letting you do like high elbow marcellatines with yeah. Bell, and that's all i wanted to do for yeah. uh, for the rest of my jujitsu existence was just guillotines i think i finished every match in a blue belt contest really? by high elbow guillotine there you yeah. go man yes. it's definitely yes. the move <laughs> well I, I actually had developed my um i mean guillotines better because of the mma gloves yeah i was training with them and that little like inch on the on the finger mm-hmm. i don't know it just got really got in the neck there yeah on the side and that's how I developed my arm in. And then when I took the gloves off, I actually struggled more with the uh, arm in. That's where I started going high elbow. 
But I don't know, I just kept doing them and I kind of developed an arm in without the gloves as well. So yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what I was doing. I, <laughs> you got to give yourself more credit. <laughs> you do know what you're doing. I don't, you squeeze the necks yeah. and take the checks. That's what you're doing. That's it. But no, like, even people try and they're like, oh, can you show me how to do it? Yeah. And I'm like, seriously, dude, I don't know. Like, I, I can feel it. Like, I know there's something missing, but I can't tell you. And same with me. Like, I know when it's in and I know when I'm getting it. I just don't know the actual mechanic behind yeah. it. I kind of just go by feel and know. That's not a bad way to go. Yeah. It's obviously but... <laughs> working for you. <laughs> but I wish I could explain it. But yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, further to what I was talking about with Rikers, you are training with probably the best kept secret in South Australian martial arts, which is Marco Callahan. Yeah. Well, I got to give credit to him for my whole grappling style, man. Because he fought MMA. Yeah. And he was always like a jiu-jitsu guy. Mm. And he was always saying like... They made him train in the gig, like, for his upcoming fights. And he's like, man, I'm not going to be grabbing people. Like, mm. why am I training in the gig? And then he's going on his back and he's like, oh, I'm getting punched here. So he developed pretty much his own grappling style. Yeah. Like, that's, I got to give all credit to him, man. He's what taught me how to, he's taught me how to grapple in that style. Like, mm. top heavy, you know, not want to be on your back as much, even though he likes being on his back. But, yeah, like, that's how I started. Um, and guillotines as well, because people wrestling and... Yeah, but everything just originated from being on top. Yeah. And that's why all my scrambling is so good. When people try and sweep me, I don't want to be on my back. Yeah. So I kind of developed this scramble to get back to my feet yeah. or stay on top and stuff. Well, whether it's an MMA style or a catch wrestling style, whatever you want to call it, it's very intuitive for MMA. I always exactly. say, like, if you're on your back on the ground in MMA, something bad happened for a couple of different reasons. Maybe you got clipped and yeah. put on your back. Maybe yeah. you lost a scramble. Maybe you try to take down and got taken down yourself. If you're on your back on the ground, your opponent feels like they're winning and the judges judges, view it that way as well. So you've, and the whole dynamic of the, the grounded scenario that's playing out is completely, completely flipped. Like in a jujitsu competitive setting, even via rule set, if you're on your back on the ground, you can be passive. Because the person on top is often viewed as a person who's stalling. That exactly. you, you can wait for opportunities and openings. You may not, but the positions that you can wait in are things like shin shield and Z guard mm-hmm. and full guard. You can't get struck in those positions. Mm-hmm. So you can be more passive in those positions. And you can open up some really technical chains of submissions from those positions as yeah. well, especially nowadays. But in MMA, it's completely flipped. The onus of urgency is on the person who's on the bottom. So if you're not creating angles to sweep, submit, or scramble, you're losing fight. 100%. And another dynamic that is playing out is the clock. And this is something we talk about a lot. You know, if you're in an amateur fight, a three-minute fight, let's say it took you a minute, right, (laughs) to take someone down. You've now got two minutes to finish that person on the ground with a submission, likely because you can't elbow them, right? You can strike them into guiding them into positions but now you're in a situation where you've got two minutes to finish someone you better be super sharp and super precise to do that but conversely if you got taken down you've only got two minutes now to get that takedown back either with a sweep or a stand-up and then uh, you know be ascendant in the striking again or you've now got to completely do something that is very stand out to win that round the clock's ticking, you're on your back and all of these dynamics are going on and you don't realize that that's what's playing out until it starts playing out on you. So developing a really, so not, you know, not top heavy, but top oriented game. I think it comes from wrestling and I think it comes from a mentality. Like if you are presented with an opportunity where it's a scramble, where you can give more energy to the scramble and take that opportunity and you do it via instinct and you do it efficiently because that's what you know from wrestling, you're always going to be more ascendant in an MMA setting. Always. Couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. And then just being good at wrestling, you can pretty much control the fight. Let's say you're tired. Mm. You can take him down. You can kind of keep tight and you get your energy back. Really. Yeah. yeah. If you're so more efficient too. in that yes. tactile clinch. Yes. And you know how to defend submissions as yeah. well. I don't know. Like if you know how to keep tight, take him down, keep tight. And defensive missions, yeah. like you kind of control the fight, really. Yeah. And if yeah. you're a better wrestler than the other person, and you can 
take him down at will. Yeah. Yeah. Like and I've never met a wrestler that doesn't have powerful hips and a good yeah, overhand. Yeah, 100%. You know, a good overhand. If they're a southpaw, it's an overhand left. If they're orthodox, it's an overhand right. <laughs> they, but they understand the explosive athleticism yeah. from, the, from the lower body as well. You know, that... I think wrestlers who have elite level striking and distance management and control, they're sort of the people who that's, dominate. That's exactly what I was going to say. Wrestling with good footwork as well, like on your feet, like defending punches with footwork and moving around. Yeah. And then, so you're not getting hit essentially instead of just charging in and then getting clipped. Like wrestling with good footwork, man, you can just control the fight yeah. essentially. I think a mix of base boxing footwork, yeah. like start switching boxing yeah. footwork and start switching wrestling footwork as well. Mm-hmm. Because in wrestling... You very, I mean, have a look at your Romero, for example. In wrestling, you very rarely stand in one stance. You're either square stance or stagger stance for attack, mm-hmm. square stance for defense. But often we put our power side forward if we want to shoot, if we're shooters. You know? and defensively, we might have it back. But because we can't strike people, we have to work on level changes yeah. and knee taps and ankle picks and snap downs. That's how we level change and open up angles and we start switch to open up angles to gain access to different shot variations mm. as well. So if you and like if you look at people who started to integrate that type of footwork, they were wrestlers. It was like TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz and Uriah yeah. Faber. They were the first ones to do that type of thing. And your Romero does it as well. But they parlayed that into angled striking variations, which made them incredibly dangerous. 100%, man. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. But I, I often think like this is because I have to. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, that's awesome, though. Um, one other thing I wanted to say is uh, Miles told me, he mentioned to me that I was the first person to play rubber guard in MMA from yeah. South Australia. I heard that in one of your podcasts. And I think that I'm wrong about really? that. Yeah. I think Mark was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Mark was the first person to do rubber guard in MMA from South Australia. Really? Because, yeah, because I remember pictures up on the wall at Rikers of still, Mark still fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's doing rubber guard in one of those pictures. Actually, you know what? i got to have another look. I, need, I really need to go there and have a look. <laughs> you might be right. I think he was. Because, like, for as long as I've been a fan of martial arts, like, he's of the echelon of people that I was a fan of when I was coming up. Mm. Like, I've talked about it before. Brad Thompson and yeah. Mark, these are the people yeah, that geez. were traveling away. To go and fight. And I just thought that was some blood sport level shit. You know what I mean? Like what? They're traveling to fight another man in a cage? That's ridiculous. But that's how I felt about it back in the day. Because it was just nonsense. Like people weren't doing that thing. They were. And Mark comes from SABJJ before, you know, when it was on Prospect Road. And when they were all all together. Dave DeConti was the first person who brought me to Rikers to train because of the connection that he had with Mark. He knew Mark was there and he knew that I was going to start fighting MMA and he's like, hey, you have to come and, you know, do kickboxing at Rikers. And that, I think, again, you know, Mark's one of the best kept secrets, but Rikers is one of the best kept secrets as well. If you have a look at the names that it's pumped out of that small academy over the years, it's absolutely ridiculous the influence that they've had on the martial arts scene in South Australia and just been... Flying under the radar. And I don't know if that's how Jez wants to keep it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like flying under the radar. Because he's kind of under the radar as well. But like, I think, yeah, they should I think get the credit that they deserve. I try to do that. I try to trumpet yeah, these people. Say, you know what I mean? Last couple of times. I think it's just like the intensity, man. Yeah. Like seriously, we go there and it's just develops the mindset so much. Yeah. Like just knowing that you're like, the amount of times I'm driving and I'm like, oh shit, I'm all nervous because I know how hard the session is going to be. And it's just going to be crazy. Um, like, yeah, getting through a pad session on the pads with Jeremy, that, that's so mental. Like, so, so, such a mental battle, man. Yeah. Seriously. Like, and I think that's what gets you ready for fighting. Yeah. Like, you get through one of them and, I don't know, being tired in a fight doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. Like, I think that was one of the things that I, I really wanted to ask you, you know, being you know, from the inside out and, and being the product of yeah. a, a lot of really high level coaches. What do you think the structure of successes within the walls of rackets. Okay. I think, so like I said, you get that intensity from Jeremy. So like those hard pad sessions, you know, like the real mental, I just developed a strong mentality. Yeah. Like everyone in the gym, you can see they're just so strong. That's like, even when I go to jujitsu, man, I find it so much easier because I've gone through such like hardship through yeah. stand up that jujitsu just seems like 
not, not easy, but like just different. Like I feel like I can break people. Yeah. Like if I go hard, 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 I know they're going to break first just because of that hard shit I've been through with uh, doing stand up there. But I think, uh, so we got him and then we got Richie. Yeah. So Richie's just great for technique and just everything, the way he words things and explains details and stuff. So I think the combination, man, yeah. I think that's what it is. Like it's just such a good combination in terms of that. And Richie's all about footwork. So like he doesn't want us to get hit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just a brawling, go in there and brawl. Like it's more yeah. technical. So you get a bit of both. Yeah. I think that's what the thing is, man. Like, yeah, I was trying to work it out. I think that's where we all come from. Like, we're all so intense when we're in the gym. And then we get that technical side with Richie and just, I don't know, man. Like, I think that's something to it there. I, I 100% agree with you, man. And yeah. that's what it looks like. You know, that's mm. what it looks like from the outsider. And obviously, I've spent time there. Mm. You know, you, you might not know, myself and Pavel, we used to run wrestling out of, out of Rikers. I didn't know that. I yeah. from the podcast. There was a time where I had a key at Rikers, you know what I mean? And I was doing my own strength and conditioning out of there. And, you know, I'd you know, slam the sledgehammers on tires and stuff like that. I remember laying on the mats one day and um, Kim Johnson and Charlie Chow were talking to each other because they were both cutting weight. And I was cutting weight at the same time. This was before they had a sauna in there as well. Mm. But Kim must have just got like an ice cream maker and he was just talking about all of the ice cream that yeah. he was going to make. And I was like, man, you need, to, you need to stop talking about this, right? Dude, it's like how a bad is 45 that? minute <laughs> conversation about ice cream whilst we're all trying to cut weight. But like from my perspective as someone who's looking at what Rikers is now, I think the other part of what's going on. Yes, there are some elite level practitioners in there. If you look at Maddie Stevens and Max and just the people who are there Mm -hmm. and Brando as well. Um, But it's the attention. Like the other side of that is, okay, so you've got the intensity from Jez and the years of experience. Um, He knows what fighters need and you get the technique and the insight and the the psyche and the mentality. Yes, the philosophy from Richie, right? And of course, again, years of experience. He knows what fighters need. He knows how to provide those things for fighters as mm-hmm. well. But then you get this tight-knit focus and attention, right? So if you come from a bigger gym, let's say our gym, like mm. Trinity MMA, mm. we've got a lot of people here. Yeah. Got, and it's not always our abil- in it, within our capabilities to focus solely on one person or just three people for an extended period of time. And I don't just mean an eight-week fight camp. We can focus on who's fighting in fight camp. But I mean over years and years and years of development. I think that having like a really close, tight-knit group and having the attention, focus, and communication and all sides of that, the both sides of the coin with Jez and Richie and then the intensity of the training sessions themselves, I think that's just turning out diamonds it really looks like it's just turning out diamonds like i think it's proven i think Mm -hmm. the proof's in the pudding i think when you when you look at look at the changes in brando yeah yeah i've I've seen it man like i saw yeah he's just so much more like snappy now you just see the punches you hear the you hear like the firework like the firecrackers man Mm. it just sounds crazy like oh geez like it's scary and when i talk to him he's confident yeah like he's He's confident now about his future. He's optimistic about the opportunities that Richie is putting in front of him. Like, he wants to do this. And a motivated Brando is a scary Brando. You know and that's, I mean? that's what I think um, as well with the coaching. Is if you they know that you're 100% committed, rocking up all the time, they're going to give you that attention. Yeah. Because you're right, like, there's so many people, it's hard to give attention to everyone. Yeah. So they kind of do it to the people who show up every day, yeah. really want it. And that's, yeah. That's where I think as well. It's the people, they really want it. So they're the ones that are going to be successful as well, you know? And great things are happening, man. Like, I want to shine the light on them a little bit more because I feel like they deserve it. But I think that's just inevitable. It's kind of inevitable. Yeah. Not everyone listens to this podcast. You know what I mean? They're not always going to hear the things that we say, but it's right there if they want to walk through the doors and experience it for themselves. And I think that's what's going to happen. It has been happening as well. Mark just got his black belt. Yes, he did, actually. Finally. Last week. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. I think he said he was a purple belt for like 10 years or something. <laughs> just ridiculous, man. Yeah. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like the caliber of what he's been putting out and for the, and the, how consistently he's been doing it 
Yeah. You know how it gets bandied around? Like it, you see posts of people get graded and they're like, well deserved, well yeah, earned yeah, and yeah. shit. Like you can't nah, understate how well earned that belt was. I think he's been training for 20 years now. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And coaching for what, like 10? Yeah, that's so, yeah, brilliant. It's been in the game for a while. Yeah. Definitely deserved. He just hasn't had like a, his own real like coach. You know what I mean? That's why he's never been able to get graded properly because yeah. he hasn't had like someone yet. He hasn't had like his own specific coach. Yeah, he's like, had connections within the industry. Yeah, he's had connections. But he's been forging his own path exactly. the entire time as well. Yeah, like, exactly. So I think that's what it is. But yeah, definitely well-deserved and yeah, I'm happy for him. I was very happy to see yeah. that. And it was kind of, we've kind of come full circle with Michael Toyama being the one who finally yeah. graded him to Black Belt as well. So yeah, it's, a, it's a nice story. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice story. Yeah. No, that is awesome. I'm happy for him. So what are your plans moving forward, man? I mean, like 5-0 in, in MMA. Yeah. And I've said on the podcast before, even if you left MMA behind right then and there, it's, the sky's the limit for you because you, as a competitor in MMA, as a competitor in the grappling arena, you've, you've forged this equally as, as fierce reputation. And I think it's come about partly because of the style of game you play, but I would put you in the type of... Uh, the, the type of bracket that I would put like Jay Chenalathan or Brando in, it's very easy to say that guy's really talented. But it's not so simple. It's not as simple as that. Yeah. Like, you're obviously an extremely hard worker. Yes. And you are not shy when it comes to competition. You yeah. rise to competition. You're great in the academy. You work extremely hard. Yes, you are talented, but you also parlay that into performance in a competitive setting. And I've seen some of your performances uh, in grappling competitions, and they've been incredibly uh, impressive. And I'm kind of looking for... I, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm kind of looking more forward to you in your grappling career. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, does you find that weird to say? Like, it's yeah. exciting. It's exciting to me. It is. To me, it's exciting. No, I love, I love jiu-jitsu. But... I don't know, there was something about MMA that I was really, really willing to make sacrifices for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, literally it was my whole lifestyle. Yeah. MMA. Like, from everything, man. Like, I wouldn't stay up late at night. I wouldn't eat bad foods. I wouldn't want to work too hard at work. Because <laughs> you're giving too much energy yeah, to us. <laughs> seriously, that's 100% right, man. Like, and I was willing to give everything, dude. And, yeah, that's why I think with my MMA, I got so good because of those sacrifices I was willing to make. Uh, I was willing to go travel and, you know, stuff like that, mm. give up, you know, even my business, not give it up, but like sacrifice my attention for that so I could go focus on training yeah. and making it really. Because that way I had every intention to make it to the top level. Like that's what I wanted. That's what I was, that's why I was doing it so yeah. hard because that was my goal. Um, with jiu-jitsu, I've kind of accepted that I'm not going to be the best. Like, I love it. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But I don't know, man. I don't think I'm willing to make those okay. sacrifices. So internally, you mean? Like, yes. Yeah. Like, with, you know... You're MMA. not going to Puerto Rico, is what yes, you're Yes, that's okay. what I mean. Yeah. Like, I was willing to train twice a day as yeah. hard as I could. And every single day, doesn't matter how tired I was, yeah. I still got to train, go to train. Whereas now, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty tired. I might take it off. But even so, that's like I should have done that. It well, sounds like a jiu-jitsu guy. Man. <laughs> that's what I mean. I don't know. I just felt like I knew what it takes to be like at the top level, yeah, and really make it. And I don't know if I'm willing to make those sacrifices in my life to pursue that for jiu-jitsu. Do you know what I mean? Great. I love I love jiu-jitsu. I love competing. I want to be really good at it. Mm. Like I'm a sore loser. Sorry, I don't want to lose. Whoa. But I don't know, man. Just in terms of making it. To the top, top, top. I don't know. I don't see you as a jiu-jitsu guy. I see you as a grappler. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, because of the style that we outlaid before. But that style is tailor-made for, for ADCC. It, yeah, it really is. Especially so, wrestling and stuff, yeah. Even if you didn't, even if you weren't like, oh, I'm going to go to Worlds, you know, IBJJF Worlds and compete in a rule set that was mm -hmm. tr tricky and advantage-based and shit like that. I, I don't think you're going to be a world champion in that. Do I think you would kick some ass at ADCC trials if you gave it a shot? If you if you maybe went to Japan or wherever they're gonna hold it, like Kazakhstan or some shit, like that. yeah. You know the Oceania ADCC trials. Like you're already linking up with Declan. You're already traveling out 
to M16 and training with those guys yeah, where the yeah. focus is on ADCC, if you gave yourself a shot at the trials, you'd do an awesome job. I definitely would give a shot. Like, I really do enjoy it. And I probably would, man, but I don't know. I did the same thing know. to Taylor, man. When she came on the podcast, yeah, I was yeah. like, you should do yeah, ADCC. Yeah. Our, our MMA's on the horizon for you. You know, yeah. like... I, I, you know, I want to see the best things for people around me, and I'm, I'm an analyst, you know, yeah. to, to a fault. Like I need to stop thinking at night, you know what I mean? But <laughs> by the way I see it is your style is very conducive to success in an ADCC rules format. I think you've got the athleticism, the right weight class, and I think you could give yourself a shot at it, even if you're not going to do two a days, if you're not, <laughs> even if you're not going to go to Puerto Rico, put you in that pool put you in that mix, put you in those brackets and you'll compete. You will yeah. compete. You're getting me excited. <laughs> I'm very Jeez. motivated. You know, I'm like, I can't wait to go train after this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got to open that right yeah. up. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that's not a good idea. Yeah. No, but, yeah. you know, even all that being said, you've already, you've, you know, we're a week out from a super fight that you've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's ADCC rules as well. And that's a M16 Open. There's some awesome matchups on that card. A back from the podcast is going to be there next week giving interviews. So you've got to give me an interview okay. next week. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, great, man. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, giving us a chance to compete as well. And I love the format. Yeah. I don't know. I've had, I've had like, jiu-jitsu competitions. I just really look forward to this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I really like it. I like the layout. I like everything about it. I like the 10-minute rounds. I just like the rules. I love the 10-minute yeah, rounds, man. man. I love it. I think they should do 10-minute rounds for MMA. I think pride Ooh. rules, not pride rules, but pride times, like 10 minute first round, five minute of time. Okay. Less stand-ups. I mean, because it's becoming a game. Anytime you put rules into it. It is. It's a sport. It, it yeah. becomes a sport. Yeah. Anytime you put rules into it, as you said, it becomes a sport. I can win a round. You can win a round by doing specific things that I know the judges want to see. And and, and, and you always saying that, man. I've noticed the same with jiu-jitsu. Yeah. The more like higher belt you get, the more technical jiu-jitsu becomes but like I feel like more it turns into a sport yeah like you know what I mean like guard pulling and yeah. guard retention it yeah. kind of becomes less street fight related yeah. Yeah. or MMA related as well I have to agree with you man and I mean I think there were some misconceptions about what jiu-jitsu was not I think maybe because of the way it was portrayed by the Gracies like mm. the Gracies there's a lot to be thankful for but it's not the only story that was occurring in Brazil at the time. Like there was a big dispersion of talent from Jap- from Japan that were teaching jujitsu and grappling techniques, submission holds and techniques all over the world at the time. But there was also more than one of those Japanese practitioners who was te- who were teaching things to Brazilians around the time of the Gracies. What the Gracies made famous was the passive style, was the I'm going to be on my back for 45 minutes and soak up all of your attacks and then get you at the end. Um, but there was like the father school of thinking where it's like, I'm going to attack every limb that I possibly can. I'm going to footlock the shit out of you. I'm going to arm lock you. And then there was like the valet Tudo school and break offs from uh, the Gracie Academy, like Valdemir Santana. Like these, these guys were around the same time, but a completely different style and a completely different mentality. And they were about what you're saying. Like, Hey, yeah, these jujitsu techniques exist but let's attack with them. We don't yes. have to be so passive. Yes. And I think that's why uh, ADCC is so attractive to a lot of people because of the way the rule set is structured. It is a submission wrestling tournament. Yeah, that's it what it really is. Like it rewards attack and grappling and it rewards wrestling. It does reward wrestling. At well, the if end you of the guard, day. you lose a point. Exactly. And you, but at the same time, if you get a takedown, you've got to put their shoulders yeah. on the mat to score that yeah, takedown. Yeah. You've got to control it. I mean, I, I love that idea. I think it's a better idea than advantages. You know, I think it's, um, it is less passive and it is more attacking. And I, th- I also think that, you know, just as you said before, any rule set, any rule set can become a sport quick, fast. Think about EBI, for example. EBI rule set, when it first came out, was like, oh, it's this new cool thing. You know, and then we're going to have overtimes at the end. And the whole idea was that you were going to get a definitive winner via submission. But 
I can stall you out and go to turtle and not let you do anything to me for the full regulation. And then I get a free position on you at the end. Yes, actually, that's true. Because it is pretty easy to just defend and defend yeah. and then survive, yeah. essentially. Like even though you're getting passed and mounted and whatever else. But if you're just surviving yeah. and then you got your chance in the overtime. Let's say you're gassed even. Yeah. Or the other guy's gassed. Yeah. Because he's, he's trying, trying everything. To, trying to. <laughs> and then you get there back in the end. You know, oh, quick choke. Yeah. And you're more tight. You know, Especially if so, you're good at that. Exactly. Well. So like any rule set can be gamed. But a rule set that rewards attacks, that's harder of the game. You have to attack. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think, and again, I'm going to say it again. This is why. <laughs> this is why you've got to give yourself a chance in the ADCC rule set because you are tailor made for it, and your mentality is tailor made for it yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. ten minutes too. Yeah, ten minutes works. I feel like it works. It works definitely works for me as well. Because, mm. like I said, through those grueling sessions for MMA, like I don't know, like it got me ready for that. Yeah. You know, I, mean? I feel like I can. I feel like I can break people more in yeah. those 10 minutes. Like if I'm like, all right, I'll just keep going, keep going, keep going, eventually I'll get them. You know what yeah. I mean? Even though sometimes they might be a bit technically better, but you just keep pushing, 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 like their gas tank will run out yeah. and start doubting themselves. And... Yeah. Well, it's played out. Yeah. It's played out a few times. Mm. I mean, you've got to be able to technically keep up with them. Yes. So your instincts and mine have to work on a level where, because they're threatening you're not yeah you're not no, grappling no. a dummy you no, know no, what no, i mean no. like you're grappling someone who's incredibly intuitive yes. and, and has a style that they're trying to attack you with so yes. you have your aptitude has to be at an elite level but you're saying that your mind your conditioning and your aptitude is at a level where you know you can put it on someone yeah. to a to a place where they can't go yes exactly yeah. and that's what 10 minutes gives otherwise in five minutes i don't think you can like no you know what i mean Mm. And, it, and it affects the way you train too so mm. we, we talk a lot about this I mean a lot of people run can run forever can swim forever you know what I mean but how not much swimming. work Maybe not swimming. I, I can swim I know you always talk about swimming I, I, I can't run I can swim you know, I'm like, a, I'm like a, uh, a seal I'm like this blubbery <laughs> animal on the land and then you put me in water and oh, I'm graceful no, as man. I move off into, I can't the, move into the water I just sink <laughs> but like if you're fighting three threes or three fives or even five fives, it's about how much work rate you can pack into a short amount of time, which is even, you know, physically or physiologically, it's a completely different energy system. So mm. you can have really good cardio and run track, mm. but what's your lactic threshold? You know, what's your anaerobic threshold? How much can you really do? What's well, your output? Actually, in, when I'm training 10 minute rounds, the first thing that goes is like my muscles. Mm. Like, my cardio is still okay, but then I just can't move my arms, and I'm yeah. like, oh, shit, like, you know, it's like, it's that something, too. Yeah. Like, I said, aerobic, anaerobic. It certainly is, yeah. The energy systems in your body, grappling is very interesting in the interplay mm. between energy systems. Mm. I think that um, it's probably more lactic threshold than anything else, but it pushes you way past that point where it should be a lactic threshold. It should be more endurance based but because of the intensity and because of how much concentric squeeze you're always using or not concentric but like isometric squeeze yeah. you're always using it kicks you out of an endurance phase very very quickly okay, uh, it's yeah. it's very interesting as an energy system I didn't know the science behind it I just... <laughs> well you, have you ever seen people just gas automatically when they do MMA for the first time it's probably yeah yeah What's that from? Just well, it's because they're used to working in different energy systems. Yeah, just like tensed up, yeah. or the nerves even. Well, when you're anything? striking, yeah. you're very much in control of your breathing. It's very aerobic. And that's why boxers run track, right? Because mm. they can breathe with every strike. They're never inhibited. And your aerobic conditioning is very important. Even when you're throwing powerful shots. Like you have to mm. throw powerful shots over 12 rounds, right? So your aerobic conditioning is where you have your wheelhouse. Like you think someone like Floyd Mayweather, for example, your wheelhouse is in aerobic conditioning, your breath work, everything is there under your control. As soon as you come into contact with someone in a grappling format, and I mean physical contact, all of your internal organs are inhibited, including your lungs. Mm-hmm. So you're sense. immediately kicked out of an aerobic uh like an aerobic energy system and it becomes much more uh, lactic threshold. And are you tapping into different as well? Like you're standing up and then you're sprawling. Exactly. So every time you get up and down off the ground, it spikes your blood pressure. 
Like you've ever been lying down to get up too quick? Yeah. That's blood pressure, right? So every time you do that, it's peaking you. And if you're now competing in a rule set where you have to move between energy systems, constantly get up and down off the ground and perform tasks yeah. whilst you're there in different planes of movement, it's just a completely different energy system for your body. And I've seen people who are incredibly fit grapplers, like elite fit grapplers or elite fit strikers do MMA for the first time and just gas within two minutes because they forget to breathe. I think the other thing that is going on is that sensory overload as well. When you faint at someone in MMA, it can mean so much. And when you faint at someone, you make them stiffen. And especially when, like Richie always says, uh, in a competition, your your senses are more heightened as well, so you're more bait on the faints. 100%. 100%. Right, yeah. And what does, that, what does that look like physiologically when someone baits, like you you actually tense? Yeah. But that's just like your nervous so. system. You kind of, yeah, you're tensing yeah. their reactions and yeah. You make them slower by fainting at them. You can make them more tired because they don't realize what their reactions and their bites on those faints are actually doing to them. It's slowing them down at the time. Um, and that's why Alan Hartley's really elusive as well. And that's why people like... Tim Rogers, who's not, you know, by his own admission, he's not a body guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he fights Adonises all the time. And he just looks like he's come off the farm, like, yeah. chucking hail, hay bales. He probably has. But he's so elusive with his feints and his range and his reach. He's always showing you different looks. Anything could happen. Yeah. He makes fit people look unfit. Did he develop that himself or is that something you teach? Like, bit, of both. bit of both, but I'll never take away the fact that Tim has been able to develop a style which has suited him to an elite level. Like we talk about these things, we mm. talk about these elements, but to employ them, that that's on you. You know, the yes, way that you employ exactly. them is an individual process. And Jake Chenoweth is another guy who who does this very well. And I bring up Alan Hartley because I think he's probably the best at it, just yeah. from the way that he interacts with people in the academy, and he's aware of these. Mm variables as well yeah that's awesome yeah. i really yeah i take notice i love this kind of stuff man like, you, you can hear it like I yeah i know it's all I I'm, I'm just so interested right now i'm like <laughs> my mouth open like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no look i'm sure i'm 100 sure that you know richie and, and jez are aware of these things as well yes. they just have a different you know a different way of approaching it they might not tell you directly that that's what's going on but they'll ingrain it within yeah. the movements well, that they're talking the about. other day we did a session where we warm up with like or every session we warm up with shadow boxing and then jeremy's like all right no one's throwing any punches for the whole round just fainting yeah. the whole round you're just fainting not throwing yeah. any strokes at all so i guess yeah it's the same thing yeah. i faint i like to faint a lot even with shots and stuff mix yeah. it up get people yeah. thinking i think that's like part of my whole game as well man just changing it up really well, I've seen you, you're, you're a surge fighter as well. You might not necessarily storm out to the center of the cage and yes. take the center. You, yeah. you, you can, because you're also very fit, you can play to the outside mm-hmm. and surge and take space. And then sometimes you'll stand your ground and you'll open up the angles when you are in the center mm-hmm. and that leads you into your takedowns. Or if people overcommit and they come to you, you can go under yeah. and hit that I mean, double. I, but also, I fight people differently depending on their style. Yeah. For some reason, everyone I fight is so tall. <laughs> Yeah, like literally. Yeah, my last fight, that guy. Brad Wally. That's a different style though that I fought him, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the last guy I fought, he was like what six foot uh, mm. bantamweight. That's ridiculous. So yeah, so I was using. I was like, all right, well, I got to get inside, or just play too far out so I can't get hit. Yeah. So I was playing a real distant fight and then trying to time my way in. Mm. Um, yeah, so I had to change up my game a little bit just so to get on the inside. Yeah. And then, I don't know, when I kind of grabbed him because of his height, I don't know, I just felt like a lot stronger. Yeah, he felt the ascendancy. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to try and get him close and take him down. And so that's what happens in fights, man. Instinctively. Mm. You felt it. And let's say the round ended and you're standing in front of him again. You're like, I know where I want to be now. 100%. That was what it was like. Going into that last round, I'm like, all right, he just knows he's going to get taken down and he's going to try his best not to. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm like, we know where this is going to (laughs) go. And I think I was even stuck. I think I was under over against the cage. I think I had my back against the cage at one point. And I just felt so much stronger. And I'm like, you know what? I can just lock up my hands and take him down with a body lock from under over. I don't know. Just because I think that's what I mean. You give up different stuff from your attributes. Like yeah. if he's tall, I guess he's going to be a little bit weaker because 
not so much muscle mass. Whereas me, I'm a bit smaller, so I was a bit more stocky and had yeah. the extra strength. So yeah, I guess that's kind of a thing too. Yeah, and fights is very much a conversation and communication in that regard. Like, yeah. he's aware of that too. Mm. He's aware that when he's in the air, he's like, shit, I'm fucked up. Exactly. <laughs> that, I don't want to be here, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's going to do everything he can to stop it, but that's it but yeah that's what I mean but I had to change up my game my style essentially mm. I mean I guess wrestling is my style too but <laughs> nah you're very well rounded yeah I want to use my stand up more man like everyone's like oh he's a wrestler but I'm like oh, I can stand too nah, I've suddenly... seen you striking you know what I mean like have you ever thought about have you had any striking no I haven't no, yeah. no I haven't I was supposed to hmm. um, but I broke my ribs Oh god! I I had a broken rib when I was training when I was doing some training here as well. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was broken. I'm like, oh, it's alright. And just kept training, and then dude, I went home and I had to work, and I'm like, I can't even walk. Yeah, rib ribs are a real injury. Yeah, it took a very long time to heal. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) but you're Wolverine though, so you know it probably took half the time that it's meant to. Yeah, seriously, I shouldn't have been training. Man, well, I can I can sit here and talk about fighting for ages, and you know, having someone uh, of the caliber of yourself and the experience of yourself, and coming from where you are, it, it makes me excited. Yeah. You know, because I can talk about something to someone they know what I'm talking about back. It's like when I sit down and talk about Batman comics to comic book nerds. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I never get to do it, or I sit down and talk pro wrestling with pro wrestlers. You know, it makes me excited. So, you know, for me, like, I'm glad that some of these things make you excited as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you come up with. And, and I can tell you right now, whatever pathway you choose to take, uh, you know, in your, your martial arts journey or career, you're going to be successful because you know what the formula of success is and you know what works for you. Mm. You know, it works for you and you've got some fantastic people around you to help guide you. And you've got a lot of resources now. You're one of those guys who's taken advantage of the open training policies. As you said, you train with Trinity, you train down at M16, and you always are welcomed in with, with open arms, and you're gonna reap the benefits of that, because at the end of the day, to me, it seems like you are a martial artist, and you wanna add skills to the overall uh, experience and the overall sum of you being a martial artist as well. And it's happening, it's happening. Yeah. So from your perspective, do you do you feel like that's who you are and that's what you want to be? Just the martial artist? Or is there a more career-based goal for you? Well, I had, every, like I said before, I had every intention to, like, I wanted to fight in the UFC. Mm. And I used to watch fights of, like, guys like TJ Dillashaw. And I'm mm. like, how can I beat this guy? Mm. Like, I literally had that intention. Like, all right, what could I do to beat this? I didn't study him to be like, oh, I want to be like yeah. him. I literally looked at him being like, all right, how can I beat this guy? That's what like, I got to be. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, I, like I said, I had every intention. I was willing to make all the sacrifices. And then the injury happened. Mm-hmm. The, nice, the nice concussion. Yeah. And, yeah, that sent me back quite a bit. Yeah. It sent me back a lot. Um, I spent a good part of my year, 2020, just, I don't know, pretty, pretty injured. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was just yeah. sort of like a... A snowball of momentum in the exactly, wrong, in the wrong way, finally, wrong direction. You start feeling a bit better. Oh, I feel good. And then you're training. Oh, okay. Still can't do that. And it's yeah, taken it Jake Chanel two years to come to a point where he's thinking about fighting again. You know. Two years. Two years. He had a kickboxing fight though. Not too yeah. Long. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like... I mean, MMA is a different, MMA. It's yeah. a different prospect for him because of the nature of his injuries. Mm-hmm. Right? But I suppose MMA would be a different prospect for you because of the nature of yours. Mm. You know, concussions are a real deal. You know, I ran into a wall at SABJ yeah, Day yeah. head first and uh, lost two weeks of my life. And to be honest with you, that was one of the big factors that I had to play into. Am I going to be fighting again? Mainly because I wanted to coach and I knew I needed my cognitive capacity to be intact to yeah. coach. But if I was just thinking about fighting, I might have thrown my head in the, <laughs> into the wall a few other times, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've always had opportunities to come back and do things, but the choices are yours and they're internal and they're backed. You, I've got a, a room full of guys behind me that will back my decisions mm-hmm. and you've got a state full yeah. that will back your decisions as well. Well, like I said, in 2020, I was training, even during COVID, I trained every single day, man. Like I was like, all right, yeah, I'm getting ready to fight. Even I pretty much had like a whole year training camp 
I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was so motivated, man. I was like, I'm ready. Like, let's do this. Like, training, training, training. I'm like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to fight soon. So let's get, make sure I'm ready. And then, yeah, it's just so like, oh man, like depressing. Mm. Like when you go to training and then you get hit in the stomach, like you're holding pads and shit. And then you go home and you don't know where you are. And, oh, like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh. And you're like, all right, back at it. And then, because every day I had the intention, like, yeah, I'm going to be better. Like, quitting wasn't an option. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight. It was still like my full dream. And then just every time it happens, you know, every week. Okay. So you're saying like the reverberation was giving you post-concussive syndrome, like, like effects? Like, so if right. you were getting hit in different places in your body. Oh, I, I, at the start, I couldn't hit the bag. Yeah. Like I... After I hit the bag, I was, you know, like... So that confused. shock through the system. I think just the vibrations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that reverberation through yeah. your body, yeah. And that finally went away, and then holding pads was another one. Mm. Like, that took... I think I still can't really hold pads properly, wow. man. Like, if I hold a belly shoe, I'll... Yeah, I don't think I can. I'm so sorry. To hear that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like... And every year, I was like, all right, can't do that. So it's... No, you make your way again. Like, you're like, try again. And it happens again. And it's just so... It was annoying. It was very annoying and depressing. So then I, I've, at the moment, I've kind of accepted the fact like, all right, I'm still, I guess, pretty injured. I don't want to think about that right now. Mm-hmm. I just want to focus on doing jujitsu, uh, getting better, focusing on my business, just being happy, man. Yeah. And doing that, I'm so much happier. Like this is the most happiest I've ever been in my Things life. Things come back around, man. Yeah. And you need to be happy in order to get the best out of yourself. You can't be dragging yourself through the shit. You mentioned that Jake had a striking belt. Yeah. Striking for Jake is what grappling was for you. Yeah. So he had a competitive goal. Mm-hmm. He knew MMA could be on the cards. Mm-hmm. Grappling was 100% not on the cards okay. because of the, the type of injury that he had mm-hmm. with his neck at the time. He is back grappling now. That yeah, took a long time for him, you know, awesome, physically and mentally, you know, to trust people around him to put hands on his neck. You yeah. know, like the striking bout that he had was modified rules because we didn't want him to get clinched and we didn't want his head to get dragged down. And he was incredibly successful in that because of the person that he is. That was his competitive goal. That's what he wanted to do. And that led him back on a really positive path. He's in the gym every day, coaching, helping people. Um, and then that parlayed into testing the waters with grappling again yeah. you know what I mean and I feel like that allowed him to be happy and yes. it's the same story that you're telling me right now grappling having that as a competitive goal it's allowing you to be happy and that's going to be the best place for you if MMA comes back around it'll come back around that's, if that's you exactly feel right. like you've got some unfinished business it'll come back I around I definitely do feel like I have unfinished business but, but those, yeah, like you said, I don't. I just don't want to think about it at the moment. Yeah, like you know, because I was always saying, like, yeah, man, I'm going to be back. People were saying, oh, you fine? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. So and everyone better. loves to ask that oh, question, dude. man. Oh, yeah. When are you fighting? How are you feeling? Dude. When are you fighting again? Like, you get just walking out <laughs> of the cage and people yeah. asking you when you're fighting again. Or you see someone from high school, like, oh yeah, when are you fighting, man? When are you fighting? Oh. Uh, I don't know. When are you fighting, man? Like, are we fighting right yeah. now? Like, what's going That's why COVID's been with like, oh, nothing's coming up, man. COVID. We <laughs> <laughs> just leave you alone. Yeah. I think it's it always comes from a place of you know they're trying to be nice and they're yeah, trying to yeah, yeah, interest yeah. but they just don't understand yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, like how's your weight as well Dude, what about what about oh how's Conor McGregor man do you want to fight yeah actually I hate the guy I was getting sur- I was about to go into surgery like yeah. I'm on the table with my knee about to go under for this surgery and they're asking me about Conor McGregor yeah. Because they see my ears oh, and they're like, oh, you're a fighter. Oh, I've heard you're a fighter. Oh, yeah. What do you think of Conor McGregor? And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, are we going to do this so, now? Seriously, I know. I know. <laughs> hey, at least I know what you're, at least I know it's from uh, training your ears. Yeah, they put two and two together. <laughs> That's As weird. opposed to saying rugby. You know, what the amount of people I see, like, I'm pull, having a conversation with, and you see their eyes just slowly drift off oh, to my man. ears. I'm like, I know what you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little kid on the bus, like, a really nice little yeah. kid. Uh, this was a long time ago as well. My ears were a little worse than they are right really? now. Really? Worse? Yeah, yeah. This is as good as they're ever going to get, man. Yeah, this is, this is all hard. This is, yeah. There's no fluid. Same, 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 same. Yeah. So they were like real puffed out at the time. And <laughs> uh, the child was there with his mom. I'm sitting on the bus and I'm like, I can see the child looking up. Yeah. And he's like whispering to his mom. <laughs> 
and the mum says, okay, it's all right, you can, you can talk to him. I'm like, the kid just looks up at me, I'll never forget it, man. Kid looks up at me and goes, excuse me, sir, what happened to your ears? What happened to your ears? Yeah. And I'm just thinking, what do I say to this child? Yeah. <laughs> like, I wrestle and I'm broken. Uh, I just, I think I said something along the lines of, oh, I hurt them a little bit, but they're going to be okay. And I was like, that's good. He just said, that's good. I'm like, oh, I was like, and the mum was just looking at me like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how that's it goes sometimes, man. Um, I mean. But sometimes when people ask me what I do, I'm like, oh, I like, grappling it's hard to, it's hard to yeah they, they say, oh, so, so like wrestling and i'm like yeah like like wrestling <laughs> and they're like so you know jumping off the top rope and yeah that kind that's of thing. That, yeah you can't and then say I'm like, wrestling and then i'm like yes that's exactly what i do you should come to one of my shows it's gonna be really fun like, i just let him pick that <laughs> yeah dude like, i would <laughs> happily do that yeah. i wasn't so broken as i am I would, I would happily be a professional wrestler uh, that's the problem too the the body no, faces tough. it's good <laughs> My my spine is like a heavily played game of Jenga. You know what I mean? It's just not it's not structurally sound anymore. Like musculature is great, you know. I'm very dexterous and have range of motion and strong enough. Yeah. But that's the only reason I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't have that, yeah, I'd just be true. bound. You know? Do you think it's from the wrestling? It's from rugby, man. Oh really? Yeah, yeah it's from rugby. All of my that's worst wrong. injuries ever happened playing rugby. C one and see two compactions in my neck, forced scolia of the kyphosis, bone spurring of my lumbar, L5, and um, two centimeter separation at the pelvis. And that all happened in close succession. I played rugby one season too long. <laughs> one season too long, man. And everything's just been a reparative from there. But That's wrestling and, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of, that has been said about wrestling bridging and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Man, it helped me. Did it? it? helped me big time. Really? Yeah, because I didn't start off by doing carousels and headstands. I started off slowly. And the whole idea is not, I'm going to make my neck strong by bridging. Mm. It's just about conditioning your spine to the realities of what it's going to encounter when you're wrestling or grappling. So it's safe when you do encounter them. Mm. That's the way I always used to think of it. And that's how it helped me. Because... Here I am. I don't have a good spine, but I'm going to be partaking in the act of grappling. How can I make? How can I make these two come together? I did it through bridging, and I was very diligent with it. And now I can do headstands and flipovers and carousels and things like that. But it's it's through having a stable shoulder girdle so, and a dexterous yeah. thoracic spine. So why do you think they say you shouldn't? Because it's compression. Yeah, yeah. And you think people are just doing it wrong as well? I think people go too quick. I think people see that high arching back yeah. bridge and they're like, I'm going to do that. With, a weak, with not like a strong, uh, like fundamental sort of thing. Yeah, 100%. They just yeah. run before they walk and then they start sprinting and they hurt themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? But even that being said, do I think there's better ways to strengthen your neck? Yeah, definitely there is. Is there, is there a better way to condition your spine for grappling? I haven't seen it yet. You know what I mean? And it's worked for a long time. So. Yeah. What about like I got um, a thing I hang upside down on? Yeah. Yeah, I think that helps my spine. Yeah. I yeah. feel pretty jacked up sometimes <laughs> after wrestling. Yeah. I've I never met was... a wrestler who hasn't been Seriously, like, I've got a sore neck. You know, I've been good with knees and stuff. Yeah. Talk Don't about... say that too yeah, much. Okay, I said I mean, that for 15 I... years. I said, <laughs> I've never had an injury. I've never had a knee problem. You know what I mean? And sir, I, I manifested it. I brought it into fruition because I said it too many times. But that, that was a structural damage. Yeah, yeah I was really saying fluid or bursitis. Yeah, bursitis that became staph infection that became almost the end of my leg. And that's uh, terrible. Yeah, stuff is very serious, man. Yeah, people need to take staff seriously, don't you think? Yeah. It's like, I feel bad for my mate Will. Yeah. Like, he just kept getting it. You said 12 to 15 times? He, he I think so, man. Yeah. Like, that, yeah, that sounds about right. That's, it was, it was that's only two serious. weeks, bro. It was only two weeks. It was fucked. Like, you get it, be good for a week, and then the next week. That breaks my heart, man, yeah, because yeah. Will is another one of those guys. I put him in the same ranks as you. No, you know, a guy he... that I'm excited about to see. I mean, I'm glad that he's having his grappling match next week. Yeah, actually, he is. Uh, with awesome. Nate, man. Will, Will, in my opinion, that's the way that you come into MMA. You know, he had 
a really good backlog of grappling competitions, Muay Thai and kickboxing fights. Yeah, boxing as well. Boxing uh, as well. Yeah, prior to ever competing mm. in amateur mixed martial arts. And that archetype, that's what we mandatory replicate now at Trinity MMA. You have to have had striking bouts, you have to have had grappling matches before you ever go into an MMA amateur scenario. Um, and yeah, just to, to hear that he was having those kind of difficulties, and that's what was holding him back. Like just that I skin know. staff that's what was holding him back that was killing me man to hear about that bro. he's yeah he's just one of those guys that trained so hard too man so he's probably just like his, his body was just so, yeah his body was just so like run down I guess that could have been yeah. one of the things because it's just like it's like what me me and him man we just trained so hard together yeah. I don't know I probably just caught up to him yeah. But he's back. He's, he's going to be I'm happy. I'm so pumped, man. I'm yeah. so happy for him. He, he's finding his happiness. We still train together and it's the best. Like, yeah. my favorite training partner ever. Like, it's so good. <laughs> you need those guys, man. Yeah. You need... We just, like, shake hands and we're just like, it's go time. Like, we just know. <laughs> it's on. Yeah, I've rolled with on. Will. It's yeah. always like that. I mean, really? Yeah, yeah. I rolled That's him awesome. down in Progressive. I think I was, like, pretty fat and overweight and out of shape at the time. Oh, was it a while ago, was it? Yeah, but, you know. It's what it is, man. Like, he's just a gun. No he's tough, what. man. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. He made me tired. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so my favorite training partner, and people might not know this, is actually Tom Crosby. Oh, yeah. And I'm more than happy to admit that, you know, if I let that kid pass my guard, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? But he's my favorite training partner because I've been training with him for so long, you know, since he was 14 and I was 17, you know what I mean? Or 18 or whatever I was at the time. And he's a big guy, moves like a small guy. And every time we slap hands and we're ready to go, it's always technical. Always technical. That's good. And I'm really happy for it. That's funny, like, you, you never really think too... I mean, because we have a lot of training partners like that. Who's your favorite training partner and why? You know what I mean? But I'm sure that, you know, if people hear that, they'll start thinking about it and they'll go, actually, I do have a favorite yeah. training partner. <laughs> it's like, but I'm going I'm to hurt people's feelings if I tell, if I tell everyone who it is. But. No, I got another good training partner. His name's Eli. He's uh, competing on the show yeah. next week as well. Is that uh, McLeod? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, McLeod. Yeah, he's one of my best mates. We're awesome. actually, yeah, we're actually opening up a shop together too. This is what I wanted to ask you about because yeah. last time we were going to do this, you had to you had to work through public holidays. Yes, yes. Um, but I gather that that's because you're building towards something now. Yeah. Which uh, you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. Well, it's uh, pasta yogurt. Yeah, it's my parents' business, and yeah, I've just been getting heaps more involved lately. Me and my brother, and yeah, my mate. Eli, coming on board. Yeah, he's like, hey man, I want to open up a shop. I'm like, yeah, fucking right, let's do it. Brilliant, man. That's going to be awesome for you so, guys. Yeah. We get the keys, I think, next week. So, yeah, it's all going. Next week, yeah, you get the keys. We get the keys. And then yeah. we got to, like, do everything. What's the location? Uh, Modbury. Modbury. Modbury Pasta Go Go, man. Yeah. You're going to get some business. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You're going to get some business. I'm going to send the Spartan down there. Hey. He's going to test you guys out. He's going to tell me. That's awesome. I think he's been. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, yes. I think uh, Sub's got, he wrote a review on Google oh. for one of our stories, like, yeah. Yeah. And you were like, rock on it, this is awesome, or something like <laughs> Man, I've still got a, uh, a signed copy of his DVD that he made on his tour through America. Yeah. Oh, yeah? I defy you to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great, it's brilliant content. <clears throat> Not for the whole okay. family, but... Okay. <laughs> He is. He's a, he's actually like a very switched on individual, sad man. Like people don't realize like he believes what he believes, and that's what comes out outwardly in the in the public eye. But he is very very intuitive. There's a reason why he believes what he believes. He he doesn't subscribe to you know normalcy and the mundane life that we all subscribe <laughs> to. You see me walking through the city in my you know my my. Work clothes, basically the Bruce Wayne clothes, not the Batman no, clothes. clothes, and uh, he doesn't subscribe to that man. He's not doing the nine to five. He's not doing yeah, that until four. Well, I'm not really doing the nine to five either. Really. That's it. That's it. You forge your own path. I never have. I've even when I was fighting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You yeah. you will forge your own path, and you will find what works for you. I mean, he's he's got an organic garden at his house, man. Everything that that guy eats is organic. Really, like everything. Yeah. There you yeah. go. He's, yeah, there's more than meets the eye when it comes to uh, Sav Korea. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I'm growing. So, 
I did get a question from an anonymous listener. <laughs> Does the pressure being put on? Oh, so these wedding plans, what are they? At least you did that just to get a shout out. Just a subtle nudge. For like 10 minutes, what should I write? You gotta write something just to get your name involved. Yeah. When this is your partner, we're doing you want to give her a quick shout out? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Caroline. <laughs> Thanks, Caroline. Yeah, uh, the wedding planning. I haven't really done much, so. <laughs> oh. She's done it all. I think that's what she wanted me to say. So. She's done it yeah, all. Yeah, you're right. You've done it all. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic, man. You've got, you guys look like a, tr- a, like a picture couple. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see you happy. I'm glad to see those things that are progressing in your life. You know, we talked a little bit before about you know, I'm a big Batman nerd. I like comic books. Everyone's got things outside of the realm of, of fighting that they enjoy. And you've got your business ventures. You've got an awesome partner. Is there anything else outside of fighting and outside of martial arts that you get involved in? I know you said two very important <laughs> I'm going to bring it up. Fuck it. I'm saying I'm yeah, going to throw you in a different I think everyone knows. She puts it all on her Instagram. So you... RuneScape. Yeah, man, it's good. RuneScape. It's I would never have picked you as a scaper. <laughs> never have picked it. Good game. It is a good game. Good I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. How long have you been involved in the world of RuneScape? Oh, and you said World of Warcraft as well? Yeah, I played yeah. a little bit of that. Uh, Everyone's got some nerd in the man, I'm yeah, telling you. Everyone's too. Yeah, 100%. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? I don't I mean, know. Maybe we should analyze it a little bit more. Yeah, it's all psychology study. <laughs> um, yeah, we're playing for like, I don't know, man, like, pretty far out for maybe five, six years. Right, that's but I've been playing for like 15 years. <laughs> 15 years or something. I'm too shit as well. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're not, though. No, I'm pretty bad. I bet comparatively to the people that I guess playing. So. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, some real nerds on there who are really good. So, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> like, I always look about with when I uh, dumped time into Street Fighter Five, and I just played as Akuma for, I don't know how long, man, just put serious time into it, bought the joystick, did everything, Jeez. like, would do reps, you know, <laughs> like, would do reps of movements, and every time, and I get, I get to Bronze League, and every time I see, as my opponent, either a Japanese flag or a Korean yeah. flag, I just put my joystick <laughs> down, and I'm like, like I can't, you can't, you can't beat these people, man, they put too much into it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. All right, man. So I don't. I'm not going to throw you under the nerd bus for too much longer. And we've got to get you out of here so you can do some training for ADCC. Those four letters, man. ADCC. I'm not going to let you forget them. Getting me excited. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to let you forget them. You've got your um, your super fight next week. Hopefully, everyone's going to keep their eyes out for that. Who's your opponent? Uh, his name is Mark. He's from Sydney. Mark Scott. Yes. Yes, I know the guy. Oh, do you? Yeah, I know that guy. He's Talented grappler, you're gonna have a great match with him. Yeah, cool man. Looking forward he's, to. He's my match. weight as well, so I'm pretty. Finally about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have the best luck, people my way. Yeah, yeah. No, that should be good. Brilliant, man. I'm looking forward to more opportunities just like that. I'm sure we're gonna see in the future. So, as we come a little bit closer now to the end of the podcast, I always give time for thank yous, man. Is there anyone you want to thank or anyone you want to mention before we head off? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, obviously, everyone at Rikers, everyone at the new gym, Eastside Rolling as well. Yep. Mark. So he's kind of like, he does his jiu-jitsu out of there now. Yep, that's awesome. Yeah, he's still like affiliated with Rikers and stuff. But he just does um, jiu-jitsu just for a different timetable. Yep. You know, like we do a 6 o'clock session, ah, 7.30. Yeah. yeah. Those 7.30 sessions are... They get late. Yeah, especially with daylight savings. <laughs> um... So yeah, everyone at Richie and Jeremy at Rikers and all my training partners, Matt and stuff, Matt Stevens, uh, down at Eastside Rolling as well, Will, Eli, Mark, um, I don't know, I guess Caroline. Yeah, I guess Caroline, <laughs> you're going to get pumped when she hears this, man, this is going to be hilarious. Now I've met Caroline, she's very nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Um, shout out to Pasagogo. Yes, Pasagogo, yeah, Mossbury, yes. make sure everyone gets down there and yeah. fills up. Yeah, so, I guess that's it, man. Awesome. I can't think. Hey. I probably I'm sure there is. Oh, sorry. The guys at M16 for yes. helping me and doing the comp. I go there. I try and go there on Thursdays. That comp class, the wrestling. Yeah, stuff. comp class. You wrestling can come class. on Fridays if you want. You can come. We got a I'll comp class Fridays, here. Oh, man. I was coming Wednesdays here though. Yeah, yeah. And then I 
started working again. <laughs> right, I had to tell the boss, like, come oh, on, man. <laughs> I've got grappling to do. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> nah, well, no, my brother just broke his hand, so. So you gotta pull, you gotta pick up yeah, the slack. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. That's alright, yeah. You're gonna do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. But hey, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast today and talking technique with me, talking nerd with me, talking about ADCC, all this stuff. I really hope people. Uh, make sure they put their eyes on you, what you're doing with your grappling. Go back and watch your fights so they can talk, listen, you know, see what we've been talking about today. And, you know, as I said, I'm a big fan of uh, martial arts in South Australia and I'm a big fan of you. Have been for a very long time and yes, it was man. really awesome for me to get down and down here and chat with you. And oh, cheers. You know, let's um, make sure you pick up that W next week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I, I have faith. I have faith. I've <laughs> been right. training too hard. So yeah, awesome. That's kind of what I've been like for all my fights. I'm just like, I can't get, I can't lose. I'm a sore loser, and I'm, I'm training too hard for this. I need it. <laughs> and that's why you're gonna go to ADCC trials and get a ticket. All right. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you, all those listeners out there. Please stay tuned because we're gonna be back same bat time, same bat channel for all the bat fans out there.